Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Last night, the Oscars aired, and today we have a very special Oscars episode. We'll pick our top 10 films of 2016 and share what we would have liked to see at last night's Oscars. It's time for a top 10 turf war. All right, guys, over the past year, we have been watching all sorts of movies, tracking everything we're doing just because we're nutty like that. Uh, and we are finally ready to reveal our top 10 films. I'd like to preface this by saying it is currently Oscar Sunday. They don't kick off for another four hours. So we actually have no idea how this is going to pan out with our picks. Mm -hmm. Then after we both reveal our list, we're going to try to make the show's list between us. And I think it's going to be very difficult. And I'll tell you why. I don't think we're going to have much in common. I am a little bit frightened of that as well. We have had some conversations before this even started. Well, it's hard not to as you watch movies. Hey, did you watch this? And it sounds like we liked or disliked very like the same movie all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like one of us liked it. The other one was like, meh. Meh. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So we should also start with a few disclaimers. Our deadline for watching as many films of 2016 as possible was today, uh, it, but we, I didn't get to everything. Jay didn't get to everything. So here's my list of things I didn't see. A Man Named Ove, Elle, Loving, My Life is a Zucchini, Florence Foster Jenkins, Swiss Army Man. And some of those match up to my list too. I haven't seen Elle. I really want to see my life as a zucchini, but based on where we live, it's not anywhere. We can't go to theater. It's coming out next year as an English film, and I believe Bradley Cooper is voicing one of the people. Okay, sure. But I want to watch the original. I want to watch the one that's nominated for Best Animated Movie. Me too. I also haven't seen Swiss Army Man. I know that's a fan favorite for a lot of people. I haven't seen Captain Fantastic, Viggo Mortensen. He's nominated. Um, loving, I haven't seen, and uh, actually, it was on your list too. A man named Ove. Anything else that I haven't seen, I don't really care to see. Like, it's not like, oh God, I need to go back and watch it because of, I don't care. Right. And a lot of these are mentioned specifically because they ended up on a lot of people's top 10 lists of, or top 30 lists of 2016, or they've received a lot of buzz due to Oscars. So these are the ones that we couldn't get to within that subsection of films of 2016. So it goes without saying, there will be spoilers ahead. So if we start with a movie title, you are rolling the dice by continuing to listen to that part of the segment. Um, we'll probably only spend a little bit of time on each movie, so you could probably just skip ahead maybe 30 seconds to a minute. Who, what spoilers ever killed anyone? I like. I don't mind spoilers. You love spoilers. Yeah, I'm cool with spoilers. People can spoil movies. Yeah. Because no, it's about the journey. I am not cool journey. with spoilers. Again, yes, it is about the journey. It's about my journey watching the movie, not knowing what's going to happen next. <laughs> and then you come around and kill my buzz. So <laughs> here we go. What is your number 10 movie of 2016? My number 10 of 2016 is La La Land. La La Land. It made my top 10 list. I actually, I didn't think it was going to, but it turned out that it did. Now, what, what do you love most about La La Land? Why, why is it on here? I mean, everyone is always calling this the ode to Hollywood, and it really is that. What I loved about the film is, I guess, being someone who's in the industry uh, and an actor myself, I found a lot of the movie very easy to relate to. I loved the way that the film treated jazz. I loved the themes of should you 
change something so that it's relevant to a current, you know, group of people, or should you keep it the same forever? And and that wasn't a hundred percent answered, I would say, in the film. Nope. And I liked wasn't. that. I liked that. I, I I liked the dances. I thought they were really beautiful and the film gave me a lot of feels. I'm gonna piss our at least half of our audience off right now and say La La Land did not make my top ten. Um, I felt like there were moments in the film that felt like it really wanted to be singing in the rain. But you know what? You don't have Gene Kelly or uh, Debbie Reynolds doing these incredible dance numbers and having incredible voices. So I was like, oh, you can't be sorry. And then there was moments that I was like, wow, this is a really great moment. But it came too late in the film. Um, and I really and I agree. Like we've had this conversation a little bit about La La Land. It does really cater to the people who are in that that field who are actors, who are tr- aspiring with, with some sort of dream. I felt like there were other movies that showcased a dream or going after something you wanted better this year, um, and they may or may not be on my list, but La La Land was not in my top. Ten. I don't think it was that the aspirational aspect, because, spoiler, they get their dreams in the end, like literally handed to them on a silver platter. That- and it may or may not have cost something. It, it came with a price. Right. I don't know that anything there came with a price, but I... Well, of course it did. Their relationship. Yeah, I don't know that... that I don't think it was the price of getting the dream, I guess, is what I'm saying. Well, it didn't have to be, but the, it, that's the reality was he didn't go to Paris with her. He didn't do those things with her. They didn't stay together. They wa- went their separate ways, and... I didn't think that he needed to go to Paris with her. I to, didn't think that... To that, stay together? Yeah, I, ju- I just don't think that... They, it was really, I guess I'm not saying that's not the co- the price that they paid. The dreams were too easily handed to them. I had a big, the film has flaws, a lot of flaws. Yep. But the things about the film that I loved were not necessarily like the singing and dancing. This isn't a musical. It like lives in this weird, surreal place where they start dancing, but it's still kind of them dancing. And it's real, but it's kind of not real. And it's maybe how they feel more. It's a metaphor. Like the dancing is a metaphor. And they didn't pick dancers, not because they couldn't. He could have found amazing dancers. I don't think he was trying to make a movie with perfect dancing or a movie with perfect singing. He was trying to say, here's a jazz musician and here's an actor. And neither of them are musical performers. And when they, in their hearts, feel what someone feels as a musical, they don't have to be perfect. Because it's it's the characters aren't musical performers. Well, maybe the test of time will for me it will come back around and I'll see it again and I'll like it. But didn't uh, didn't resonate for me this time. So uh, so that is your number ten. My What's number yours? ten. Uh, what was my? Oh yes. So my number ten is I in the Sky. So I in the Sky is a film about drone warfare in the current day. We have people making decisions about other people's lives from the safety of a boardroom or a bunker. And they are so far removed from a situation that they're really, really interested in doing their job. But there's all this bureaucratic red tape. And all you're watching is kind of like, we have to get approval from this guy. We have to get approval from this guy. And all the people involved don't really care. They're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Bomb that place, whatever. I don't care. It's so shocking. Um, and thrilling. It's kind of like Moneyball for m- modern warfare is what I thought I felt like it was. That is really cool. I love the concept. I didn't see this movie, so I have no uh, opinion, but it sounds really cool. I, I really enjoyed it. And it was one of my last 
one of the last things I saw uh, before making my list. So how about we go to number nine? My number nine is Kubo and the Two Strings. Such a good movie. But you know what? It's on my list a little bit further up. So maybe we hold off. Okay. I like it. We'll hold off just just, for a second. It is amazing. I'm so glad that it's on your list. We have one in common at least. (laughs) So uh, my number nine is The Nice Guys starring Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. I saw this movie in theaters on opening day. There was maybe seven people in the theater and I felt, wow. There's going to be a lot of people missing this film this year, like not talking about it. And I think, I think because Ryan Gosling is so damn good in this movie, maybe that helped me like wait off La La Land. Cause I'm like, I can see how much better he is in this film. He's so much fun. I love him. Um, but they're totally different roles. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, but the nice guys is about a, a guy who gets hired to beat up people teaming up with a detective to find out what's going on with this missing person. And honestly, if you've seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or Lethal Weapon, uh, it's by the writer of both those films. And it is amazing. It's Shane Black. Yeah. It also it reminded me a lot of like those old film noirs. It wasn't. Oh, yeah, that- definitely visual style or the way that people talked wasn't in that way didn't feel like film noir and i just loved that movie i'm glad it's i'm it's not on my list it didn't make my top 10 but it's not far from my top 10 right so i'm really happy that you know it's on your list yeah absolutely uh what is your what are we at we're at number eight my number eight film of the year is probably not on your list oh i can't wait and probably on nobody's list of oh, top 10. Interesting. Okay. It's something that I loved yep. and that I thought was really let's good. let's just say, th- these are our favorites of the year. Yeah. You know, these are the movies that maybe I'm going to go back to that I saw this year more than other films. Not to say that if your, movie, your favorite movie isn't on this list, doesn't mean that it's not a great movie. It could be like 11 or 12 on the list. Exactly. Some of the best movies, like I find that middle section of like 10 to 20, those are great movies. Anyhow, um, so it's Star Trek Beyond. Man, what a fun movie. Just a really, really fun movie. And you know what? Star Trek Beyond is everything that I want. It, it was the first of the Star Trek movies with Chris Pine that was felt like Star Trek, the TV show to me. Overall, it was a really great film. It was well acted. I thought of the three Star Treks, it was my favorite. And for those reasons, it felt like a Star Trek. I'm so behind you with this pick. It did not make. And uh, it was beautiful. It was well done. It was well acted. It was well written. It's not like important, I would say, but it was really good. It's super fun. And and I, I, I literally started crying in the movie theater when they said poor Anton. Oh, I know. I know. I Not to give a downer, but as a sidebar, it's really weird. But that particular celebrity death of any that I've ever heard of in my entire life affected you more than anyone. Well, it affected me, too, because you and I, we kind of in our early stages of friendship kind of bonded over knowing who Anton Yelkin was. We were like, oh, we know who he is. Nobody knows who he was. Um, And he's brilliant. And he's such a good actor. And I loved his taste in movies that he did. Sure, he did. He did awesome big butt. Big budget movies. And then he did these gems. Like if he was in it, I was like, I'm watching it. Yep. Great segue. Because my number eight movie stars Anton Yakin. What? My number eight film is Green Room. And this is a thriller uh, that stars Anton Yelkin. And it also stars Patrick Stewart. 
Um, and it's about a punk band who plays this neo-Nazi bar in the middle of nowhere. They stumble across a murder that happened in their green room. And, well, they are now not leaving is basically what is happening next. There were two movies this year that had me on the edge like that. One was 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is like number 12 on my list. And the other was Green Room. Both are in that 10 to 20 range for me. I love totally. them. They're super high up there. They just didn't quite. They didn't quite do it. That's okay. I'm, I like that we both have in our eight spot an Anton Yelchin film. Yeah, I think is that's Is it Yelkin awesome. or Yelchin? I think it's Yelchin. Well, you know, I, I, somebody, one of our listeners is going to totally tell us and be like, stop it. Stop saying his name in a certain way. So uh, <laughs> maybe the fact that we each say it differently will help. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Jay's right. Ivana's right. Move on. Um, what is your number seven? Sing Street. Oh my God. I'm so sad that it's off my list, but I love. Okay. Can I just tell you, we've got our final songs um pretty much like narrowed down like we've got like four or five songs for our first dance and one of the songs is find you Aww. from sing street and like we every time and Becky by and we I, he means him oh my my it's not ivana I, I, I just, we don't have enough in common for it, <laughs> it to be ivana uh no my fiance becky and i we Every time it comes on, on a playlist that we've made, we like, oh, God, this is so good. Wouldn't this be so good to dance to? And it was so true because we met later in life and find it like, oh, it would just be so nice. Anyway, why is Sing Street number seven? I just thought this was a beautiful little movie about the tenacity and the power of dreams. And it made me so, so happy. Um, the lead guy, Ferdia Walsh Pilo. He was unbelievable. Such a good actor. Kelly Thornton, the girl that he falls in love with. I mean, she was so beautiful and mysterious and everything that he ever could have she wanted her to be. She played it so well. Yeah, she played you know? it so well. You think back to your first crush and, and she embodied all those qualities. All of those qualities. She yeah. had this weird way of being real but not real and touchable but just beyond his grasp. And... Um, Sing Street did not make, obviously, otherwise I would have told you right off the bat. Right. <laughs> Sing Street did not make my top 10, but it's in the, definitely in the top 20. Um, I love, I love this film. I, you know, we don't have the same films in here, but I'm loving almost all of them that you're Me too. picking. So. And when you're picking something that didn't make my top 10, I'm like, yes, because I like that movie a lot. And, and. That I'm cool with it. I'm cool with this decision. <laughs> I, it was a it was a tough year, guys. It was a tough year. Number seven for me is going to be a fan favorite. Deadpool. Love Deadpool. Okay, Deadpool is a little bit higher on my list. All right, we'll come back to it. So we'll, What's we'll your come number back six? to it. My number six is the fundamentals of caring. A little higher on my list. So right. we'll come back to we'll that. We'll come back to that. <laughs> uh, my number six, is, we can talk about it now because it's Kubo and the Two Strings. Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, okay. wow. Let's, this is a film that is up for visual, visual effects. It's also up for best animation. I don't think it's going to get best animation. Of course, you listening on, on the Monday totally know what happened with that animation category. I, I agree. I don't think it's going to get best animation, but it should Get it's best animation. Incredible. I don't know what that it's like claymation, but it's also CG. There's something yeah. in that visual style. I don't even understand what they did. It didn't I even feel like claymation to me. It felt like they literally took sometimes paper dolls and then 
like animated them with CG and it felt real like I could touch it, but it also felt completely CG animated in 3D. I don't even know how to describe the visual effects. It was brilliant and beautiful. All of the characters working together work so well. Well, let's give them the first the, what it's about. We okay, haven't yeah. done that yet, Yeah, we right? haven't done that, no. So this is a story, first of all, in terms of the feel and the look and the art direction, it's clearly Japanese. Yes. They're very wise and they're very... Um, I don't know what else eerie and wise. That's really what they are. Like <laughs> it, they're profound and deep. You know, they, yeah. they go into subject matter that is hard to talk about. Exactly. They're not afraid to go there and it's, it's great. So this is a story about a young boy named Kubo who, uh, after his mother's death, he is sent on a mission to locate a magical suit of armor, um, in order to then take that suit and defeat a vengeful spirit who is coming after his other eye. He's blind in one eye. He has one good eye. And this vengeful spirit is coming to take his eye and capture him. And uh, so he essentially goes on a very magical quest with the help of a baboon. And a, uh, is it a grasshopper? No, it's no. not a grasshopper. He's, um... it's, a, it's a man. No, no, no. It's like a magical man in a suit who's also a beetle. The beetle. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. like a beetle suit man. And he also has a piece of magical paper that is small and also that transforms into like different things. And, and that is the part of the film that is so unexplained, but so beautiful. And the, where it starts off is what he does is to make money because his mother is very sick. And it almost looks like she's sick with a mental illness where she's yeah. like kind of like comatose a lot. And um, she only comes to it at night. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's also uh, because of her family. Her family has done something to, you know, there's safety at night or there's not safety at night. Mm -hmm. So she has to be awake at night to protect Kubo. Yes, exactly. And um, during the days, Kubo goes into town and he is able to he she has taught him the art of magically controlling paper with this two stringed guitar or exactly, what is it yeah. yeah it's like a guitar like thing yeah and um and so that's why i say it's not really claymation it's almost like they took paper and put cgi and, on it yeah the whole like, thing is like kind of it looks almost like origami yeah exactly yeah. and and so he's able to control with his guitar paper and then his papers tell stories and people give him money he's like a beggar child and he brings it back to his mom at night who, where she wakes up from her comatose state and tells him stories about her father and her, his father and her sisters and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and then when she passes away, then it becomes on him to take the battle to the last stand. And that's when her two sisters start to come after him for his other eye. Right. And they are terrifying. Terrifying. I mean, this is not like... It is a, it's a children's film. It's a film, children's film. But, but if you have like a four-year-old or even maybe a five-year-old, it's very uh, eerie, just like I mentioned. And like, the Japanese are very adult. Very adult. If you're um, not prepared to talk about death with your children. Then you can't watch this film. Exactly. Yeah. So what's your number five? I think we talk about Kubo a lot. I'm so glad that it's on our list. Yeah. Uh, oh. Number five. Hell or High Water. Ooh, I love that movie. Okay. Why is it on your list? 
Wait, you love that movie? We saw it together, I feel like. Did we see it together? We did. And I don't remember that you loved it. <laughs> no, no, no. I Okay, so I love the movie because of all the questions at the end of the film. So at the end of the film, we both had a very different reaction in the same way uh, from his last film with Sicario. Like, we both had very different reactions to the ending on how uh, and how it played out. But I did enjoy it quite a bit. And it was like my number two for a really long time. Oh, yeah. It was like, yeah, it was number two and one for me for a long time. And yeah. then it kind of moved. It, it has shifted uh, to, I think, 12 on my okay. list. So okay. it's not in my top 10. So you can definitely talk about it. Well, it I just thought the movie just affected me. You have to see it on the big screen. It's beautiful. Um, so well acted. I mean, Ben Foster, come on. He is just maybe the best actor that has ever like lived. He's incredible. I mean, I'm not going to say like ever lived. I just don't know There's that anyone has. Actors. Yeah, it's just he has so much talent <laughs> he's and incredible. he's so underappreciated. And maybe that's what helps to sort of fuel that. He's and his performance in this. He was so gruff and rough and he's well we get a lot of good performances in this chris pine's really chris good pine is amazing uh jeff bridges who's nominated he is great playing that uh he but he's playing that role that we always see him play yeah like i wouldn't say jeff bridges did really well he is nominated for the oscar um but it's not new for him so i he didn't stand out for me too much right but but for ben foster he he is incredible and you know how he takes kind of glee in all these bank robberies and he's he's definitely the wild card in the whole plan yeah absolutely and and i really liked chris pine too there's a juxtaposition you have ben foster he's kind of rough and tumble and led by his emotions he's almost like the id and then you have chris pine who's like the super ego right and he is smart and thoughtful and and he's doing this for the best cause because he... The best cause. He wants to leave something to his kids who he he's divorced and, you know, is poor because of what the bank has done to him. Exactly. And that's kind of also part of the beauty of this movie is it's really a story about, like, you know, the, the human versus the man or the institution. There is a man story here, yep. And only steals from those specific banks. Yeah, he steals from that bank that he <laughs> owes the money to and then pays off the rest of his mortgage to the bank. Yep. And so it's this interesting, really cool cyclical thing. I love that. That he ends up then getting to keep his land and getting to provide for his family because that's all he really wants to do in the first place. I think it's a great pick. It's, it's such Number a Number five. Movie. I think it's a great, great pick. Yeah. Um, my number five is another animated film and it is Moana. As soon as it was available to buy on digital HD, I bought it. I saw it in theaters a couple of times. Like I really, really, really have grown to love this film. There isn't a time when I watch this movie that I don't cry. Um, and I, I think there's a couple of reasons why I love you it. You cry watching this movie? Oh my God. I cry like a baby. This watching movie? This, yep. I Moana. Cry like, yeah. I don't cry at sad things. When I'm watching movies, like sometimes I do, but I really cry when I watch somebody become empowered. I mm. really cry when, you know, I watch someone do something remarkable and, you know, the score and the story of this film, like really, really help to build that. There's, you know, there's the scene where she 
discovers, no, you know what? I'm not going to give up on this. That that gets me every time because she's singing this beautiful song about who she is. Uh, and she dives into the water to go grab this heart of the ocean uh, or heart of Tafiki. <laughs> Tafiki. Uh, <laughs> not the heart of the ocean. That is Titanic. She When she dives down, she comes back up and she's like just so, you know, I'm doing this alone now. And I'm like, yeah, like because Maui is fun. But it's her, it's her that it's totally the her film. And I also love the fact that this is a Disney movie that realizes, yeah, she's just another Disney princess, but she's not, you know, they even poke fun at that. It's like, you're a Disney princess. I am not a princess. I am the daughter of the chief. Same difference. You, you're a girl, you wear a dress, you've got a, 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 a cute, a, little a side cute animal sidekick, you're a princess. <laughs> And she's like, no, I'm, I'm not. And there's no love story to be found in this film. I loved the fact that there was no love story. Although I also felt like she was, she felt young to me to have a love story. Yeah, she's, I don't know how old she is. Yeah, but I they don't keep, know. They keep referring to her as like eight years old, but she's clearly, she's clearly more than a teenager. Eight. Yeah, like she's <laughs> clearly a teenager, but she feels early teens to me, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I'm not, and so I, I respect that. I think it's more about ad- adventure. I liked this movie. I like this movie at all a lot. It's definitely in my top 20. Did I think that it's like top 10? I don't know. I. It felt... Well, obviously not. It's not on your top 10. Yeah, it's not on my top 10. <laughs> I guess I just... I didn't... I didn't get blown away by it. It felt like another formulaic film. It did some cool things and it chose a good story, but I didn't feel like it did anything new or like it brought anything to the table. That's fair. I, I just think it's such an interesting choice to go with this Polynesian person who has this rich history of going from island to island and, and they've lost that history. And I, and I feel like, you know, as a white Canadian dude who doesn't really know anything about my history, it was really interesting to see that there are so many people who don't know who they are and who their ancestors are. And, uh, you know, for me, that's what the movie's about is her discovering who they actually are. And that's kind of timely. Like there's a lot of people in the world who just don't, know where they fit or what they can do or what they're capable of because they don't know what their ancestors did. Or, you know, if you think in terms of slavery, like there's a whole, um, every African-American like had to learn about who they are. They didn't get that passed down really anymore because they were taken from their culture. And, but you know, like it, it's an interesting side story to this overall, uh, kind of coming of age and empowerment film. I think that actually makes a lot of sense because everything you're saying of why this movie connected to you is exactly why I didn't connect with this film. I have a philosophy that is a little bit more centered around the now. I don't care what my ancestry or heritage was. I think that spending too much time on that sort of stuff can stifle your growth into the future And so perhaps it is because I feel a little bit orphaned from my ancestry and history. And I don't, it's not even like, like I'm Serbian. I know I came from Serbia. Both my parents are Serbian. There is definitely a specific history of Slavic people and all that stuff. I could care less. I think that you can learn important lessons from history in terms of not repeating mistakes and that kind of stuff. But I don't feel that the fact that I am Slavic 
or from Serbia should have any factor in who or what I am as an individual. And so perhaps that's exactly why I didn't connect with this. Interesting. And I, you know, I'm adopted. I don't know much about my German ancestry or that side of me. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm not that overly curious, kind of like yourself. I don't really, it doesn't really bother me. But a part of me was like, yeah, how could such a huge part of who your people were be missed? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what it, where are we? We're at number four on the list. Number four. Okay. This is where I've placed Deadpool. Yeah. Let's talk about Deadpool. Deadpool came out so long ago, first of all. I think that in some ways it's unfair that Deadpool came out so long ago <laughs> because people don't feel like it should be a, even a thing for 2016. Um, but it, it came out in 2016 and it's a freaking awesome movie. I mean, done perfectly for the character. I mean, Ryan Reynolds as as Deadpool is the greatest casting. It's hard to even like, I mean, it's the best casting for a superhero since Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man and even Wolverine, you know, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Like, yeah, the, like. I even think Ryan Reynolds is better cast as Deadpool than Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Wow, that's a bold statement. That's a but very you're right. Bold statement. Because very few people can do what Deadpool does with the quick talking and yet the charm. And he's able to do it. And I love this movie. I saw it twice in theaters. I never yeah, see you never twice go. in theaters. I saw it I saw it back to back days in theaters. And the the film itself credits its uh its success to the writers right up the real superheroes. Are the writers right off the bat, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it's true because the writing is so, so amazing. The story is is fun. It's, it's also light. one of the best love stories, I think, ever. Ever in superheroes. Like, it's unbelievable. It destroys Mary Jane and Spider-Man. Destroys them. Um, you know, it's, it's rated R, so you get to see, like, these are actual people, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I don't think there's anybody else that I would... I would put up, you know, like I wouldn't even do Gwen and and Peter from the new ones, which no. everybody does love that love story. I, I don't. You don't. I do. But, but you do. Yeah. But this is a better love story. It, it's the perfect example of what love really is meant to be. It's real. It's not perfect. And they keep it grounded. It's a revenge film, but it's also a comedy and a superhero movie. And it does that's all, all those you things. And that's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Deadpool. I, Deadpool was awesome. My number four is not on your list. I know it's not on your list because we've had conversations about you not finishing this movie. So my number four is Hacksaw Ridge. Uh. And Hacksaw Ridge is, uh, you know, a return to form for Mel Gibson. This is, this is one of the most emotionally breakdown moments I had in a movie theater this year. Uh, Ivana didn't even get to that point in the film. She kind of woke up during it and then turned it off. There's, you know, I saw, I saw the, the, you like, said you woke, you woke up in the war scene and I then did. you like turned it off. No, no, we, we, Blake watched it. We finished it. Okay. I oh. just, I woke up and then I kind of was like, watched a little bit and then closed my eyes. Again. You closed your eyes again. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't know how you did that. I like Vince Vaughn in this film. I like, uh, Andrew Garfield in this film. I really like Teresa Palmer who. I hope people know her name now because she's been in all these little small rom-coms and to show up in this film is this, you know, nurse who's taking care of Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield's character wants to go to war, but he's a pacifist, so he's not going to pick up a gun. Um, 
I mean, such an incredibly interesting story to tell. And I think they did a, a great job of showing how he got like really abused during basic training. I hated that. I hated watching that. Of it course, made me so upset. Of course you do, because it's he should be allowed to do anything he wants to do. And they punish him for being that person. And that's really what the film's about. Like, you know, you have the right to believe what you believe. And, you know, they're punishing him for it. Uh, at a time when he is preparing himself to go to war, uh, I I just, I don't know, I loved it. And then when he got to war, you know, he became this incredible hero that the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge needed. It, he's, a, he's a superhero. He is as much a superhero as the Doctor Strange and, uh, you know, Captain America Civil War. Like, uh, he's as much of a superhero. And this film ends with the real life story coming up and i i just i like broke down in my heart Aww. and uh and that's you know that that guttural reaction to what he's doing during those war scenes and then the final the finale that's why it's number four on my list um because i've had that reaction uh i've gone back to it one more time and i still had that reaction so i was like okay that's gotta stay that's gotta stay like it it just affected me in that way so what is your number three my number three movie is mm, oh god i know what you're trying to say moonlight, moonlight. <laughs> all right go ahead not on my list okay moonlight was such a beautiful beautiful story I saw it in theaters. It blew me away. I loved the fact that this is a story told in three distinct little sort of like episodes of this man's life. I also thought that the acting was unbelievable. I loved the character. I loved what the story was about. I loved that the message that it was sending. And I think the reason it's not on my list um, is because... We don't see that resolution in him, and I don't think you're supposed to, but I didn't really love the way the film concluded, and I never really identified with the character of Chiron, who we're following through these three stages in his well, life. Well, yeah, I mean, you've been lucky enough not to grow up in a Again, scenario. Again, very difficult for me to ever put myself in this person's, uh, in this person's place, um, but I, you know, I, and I, I, it's I, not that I'm unsympathetic or anything, like... When I saw Brokeback Mountain, that was a film that really affected me. And I felt like that was an incredible story, the way they told that. Um, but I, I, I guess I felt like there was more at stake in Brokeback Mountain. They both had wives. They really had to conceal it. Whereas for Chiron, I, I didn't understand well, why I don't think when, that, he, when I don't, he got older, he had to still. Oh, no, he had to still. I mean, I don't think that you can be the big drug runner, which is ironically enough what, what he, he ends up becoming. He He's a kid that if he followed who he was, maybe in his heart, he would have joined like a more middle class like I guess he, life. But he felt like he never had control over his life. Yeah, he and to be honest, I don't think he did in a well, lot of ways. He could have. He could have. I think that he did the best with what he, he knew could. and he and the circumstances. Would exactly. Like he didn't see a different yeah. way. And and that's and and so he felt trapped by yep. where he was. He ends up. So in the second part, he ends up getting sent off to jail at the very end of it. And uh, in juvie, that's where he basically meets Learns the people how to become who, who he teach will become. him to become yeah. a gangster. And. 
So now he's a gangster in his adult life and he's basically become Juan. He's like the good gangster. He doesn't use drugs himself. He definitely deals drugs, but he, you can tell, has learned a lot from Juan because he's basically grown up to be Juan. Yep. But you can't be a gay gangster. You cannot be the fear that keeps people in line and gay in a community that doesn't accept the fact that people are gay. And so I really respected that open ending where I think he realized that he's gay, but I don't know if he's ready to really be open with himself about it yet. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe that's that's the thing. He never will be because of his station in life not allowing him ever to be. He has to make a complete change after this film ends, which we don't see. We do, and, um, and, and I think it's okay because it's like little episodes. Maybe he makes a change. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, realistically, I don't maybe. think he does. Anyway, I mean, it's not on my list. It is your number three on your list. Yeah, I, would, I do want to say I hated, like hated with a capital H, the cinematography in this film. Uh, I thought that the camera... I was not a fan either. Camera did not help to tell the story. and It, that, it retracted it. And that bothered me. Me too. A lot. So that's why it's number. I think it could have been number one if it wasn't for these things. But I keep coming back to how much I hated it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. We talked about your. My number three was talked about earlier. It is the fundamentals of caring. No, we didn't talk about it. No, I don't. But you brought it up earlier. Yes, so now yeah. we're jumping over to this. And uh, so fundamentals of caring. I did not expect this from the a film with. You should have listened to me. Well, I did listen to you. That's why I was on my list now because <laughs> you saw this movie early in the year. I saw it like in January when it and came you out. you said, Jay, you got to watch The Fundamentals of Caring. I said, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. Put it on my Netflix queue. And when I finally did watch it, I was blown away. Blown away. By not only the talent of Paul Rudd in this film, but of our main, well, I guess Paul Rudd's the main, but our, the other co-star in the film the kid the who is this kid in a wheelchair uh it's craig roberts is the actor and he's not actually handicapped but he plays a handicapped person with cerebral palsy and it is fantastic um his performance i really thought he actually had cerebral palsy right there that's why it's my number three like it's all about him being too afraid to do anything Mm-hmm. And Paul Rudd really pushes him to get the hell out and try something. Get the hell out and see all the places that you've been talking about forever. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's, let's give like the little rundown. So it's a, and you've seen it more recently than me. I don't remember what it was that Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd did before he became a caregiver, but he's basically so a guy who's down and out on his luck. Paul Rudd's he child needs a job. Died. Oh, right. Yes. And he's gone into a real funk. His marriage is breaking up. He lost his job. He needs to find something. So he felt that caregiving, he went and did a course and he said, okay, I'm going to do this now. Um, he thought that by being a caregiver, he could maybe lose some of what he lost or just be, be around people who might might resonate with him a little bit more or, or he'd grow connections or something. Right. But also he thought it would be easy. And, and what's interesting is that because he's a man, he's finding it very difficult to get hired. Yep. Because too many people see caregivers as females and therefore he's not getting a fair shake at a job that he thinks might be good for him. So he goes into an interview with this person who doesn't want to hire him 
And Trevor, who is our, our main guy in the wheelchair, rolls up and says, <laughs> you don't remember it. I don't. It's been so long. He says, um, how would you wipe my ass? Yes, <laughs> I remember that. And scene. Paul Rudd says, I would do it in a way that were, there would no longer be shit there. And he says, he's the one. And that's how he's hired. Yeah, yeah. And the mom doesn't want to hire him. She's furious. Nope. Yeah. And then she figures, okay, fine. You know, my teenage son, like, let's just let him. Yeah. This is going to crash and burn. I won't have to wait that long. I don't want to be the bad guy. So they start growing this little relationship where Paul Rudd is nice to him at first, but then realizes this guy's kind of an asshole. Yeah. So he <laughs> gives it right back to him. Yeah. And it's exactly what Trevor needs. Exactly. He needs that. Yeah. It is that way of, of being just to the point of, I'm just going to wipe your ass in a way that there's no more shit there. Yep. Because that's the point. And so the rest of the film is this road movie, really, where he gets him out of his comfort zone. They go on a road trip. Where they meet Selena Gomez. Who knew? She's such a good actor. She's fantastic in this film. She's fantastic. Where there's a little love story that's kind of developing in that. Um, and, and the whole journey is to get to, it's not the Grand Canyon, it's the world's largest pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because what they're doing is going to see all these large things. And it's, and really, I don't want to say much more than that because that's what it is. It's a road movie where they go from place to place to place. And they learn more about themselves and Trevor becomes... He comes becomes of obsessed. age. He, he becomes obsessed with Slim Jim. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and there's... All the, all the while, Paul Rudd's still trying to get over the fact that his, his child died. What is your number two, Ivana? Oh, this is... This is like the top three is the big part, This you is know? where I get angry with Ivana. Like, I, I really... We, we, I don't think we're going to have the... the same top two. Guaranteed. Yeah, so far it's been pretty nice. Okay. My yeah, top two. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, what a great movie. Here's the thing. All of these movies are really great. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not it's like number eleven. Like it's it's just outside. So uh why is it better than all the other movies on your list so far? It was stunning. I cried twice and I hate crying in movies, but I respected that it made me cry. It didn't over explain things either. And again, this is another one where the story is about grief and two people who shouldn't be put together, get put together and helps them to like grow as individuals and like grieve. And, and at the end of the film, I don't know. It was just so beautiful. So it's about this boy and he gets sent out to his like, aunt's house but he never knew her he was well, in no, the no, foster he's care he's an orphan yeah and this, i don't think it's his auntie he just calls her auntie oh i for some reason thought she had some sort of like twice removed whatever No, she's like a foster person and so she's taking care of kids before they're taking care of this one now her husband like really doesn't want to deal with this kid yeah and the husband is played by sam neal who is just a brilliant actor he's, he's very fantastic. good he's been around yeah. forever he's kind of like Everyone always respects his performances and everything, but he's under the radar. His biggest role of all time was in Jurassic Park. Right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, and then Julian Dennison, who is the kid, he gives this awesome performance. Ooh, he is, he's really good. We're going to have to keep an eye on this kid because he's, he's spunky. Yeah. 
Man. Where You know what the here's the here's the problem here. What? With this whole thing is that I respect the shit that this is on your list. Yeah. This is the thing. Like it's it's not like you're picking movies that are all like Moonlight where I just didn't like them or la la la. Right, right. You're picking movies that I actually like I enjoyed watching immensely. Sorry, continue. Yeah, I so <laughs> so it's kind of t- like it's kind of funny. Yeah, like, like it's a, it's a comedy. Film. It's funny. It's beautifully shot. I mean, it's just gorgeous. I have had the luck of being in New Zealand, and it is beautiful. And uh, it looks like New Zealand looks, and it is just stunning. Like visually, this film is one of my favorites of the year. I would I would go so far to say it's a comedy, yes, but it's also kind of like an adventure film. It's a dramedy. And it is absolutely an adventure film. Yep. Like the way that it explodes. Like I just gave you the setup. It explodes. Like people are searching for this kid. All of New Zealand knows this kid's face. And when they actually are ready to take the kid back, it just turns into this like farce. Well, and I think that's what like it had me all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. And then the end goes like banana crackers. Yeah. And um And that's what like slid it a little further down. See, that's what slid it up up for for you because it's like it's like Mad Max meets World Derby, like like car derby uh, and hot fuzz and all these. things. I mean, all the things I'm saying are all fun. Yeah. And it's a fun movie, but I felt like it was a little wackadoo. So like that slid it off. It's technically uh, a comedy, uh, but it's I would say more of a dramedy. Um, and it is one of those things where as everything escalates, this is all a simple misunderstanding, but the way that it escalates, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger till you get to this crazy ending. And then, and literally Sam Neill goes to jail for a bit because of that ending. Well, yeah. Yeah. Cause how that's how he, much how it escalated. Could, how could he not? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Like it escalated to a level where he's going to jail. And, uh, so that's that's I think well, obviously what slid it down well, for you, and, then the, and that's then, what slid it up and, for me. And then the, like the the finale, like where they get back, obviously mm, is wonderful. So it's cute. wonderful. It's like very heartfelt, and I loved it. I needed um, a happy ending. With you this. need a happy ending. With yeah. This. So you get this wonderful happy ending. I was like, I'm on board for that. And deserved. It's literally like, it's literally like the three minutes before that happy ending where I'm like, what the shit? Like, right. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's Me too. I, I had that. But then when it came back with that happy ending, I was like, all is forgiven. Okay. We're no good. <laughs> all right. Uh, moving along. Moving along. What's your number two? Uh, my number two is... I don't think it's on your list because I think I know what your number one is. So my number two is Manchester by the sea. It's pausing for reaction. I, I, you know, okay. So it is in my top 20. It is, uh, literally my number 13. Okay. But I didn't like it. Like it's still number 13. Didn't like it because it's a good film. You didn't like but it. But I didn't like it. Interesting. Okay. So I actually have like, we're going to be a little bit like, I think against each other on this one. In some yeah. Ways. Yeah. At that point, I think, oh, well, and I think I'm going to be against your number one and I know you'll be against my number one. I'm very looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason why Manchester by the Sea is my number two is that um, I didn't, I wasn't looking forward to watching Manchester by the Sea. I'd heard a lot of things about how upsetting and depressing and there's no climax and things like that about the film. Um, so when I put it on, it was I was having trouble sleeping. And I put it on thinking, well, it's going to be a slow-burning movie. It'll put me to sleep right away. 
and I'll just go back to it tomorrow when I actually have time to get to watch it. Um, but it didn't do that for me. Actually, Casey Affleck's performance, which is very subdued, it's not even like I don't even know what the hell you'd call his acting in this film. Um, I mean, he he he's just, really he's truly... just a very dis- desperate, sad, lonely case of a person who doesn't give a shit about anything. He, I think, adequately. He really knows how to act holding your feelings in from yourself. Yeah, he can't like, come to grips. Like he says it at the end of the film. So the what the whole point of the film is his brother has passed away and there's nobody left to take care of the child who his his child his brother's child. Um and he gets a phone call and it's even gone, more than that. His brother behind his back set it up. Which is awful. Like awful. I don't even think it is in this case. I, I forgave his brother well, immediately. No, like his brother knowing what he needs because he needs this kid. Like Casey Affleck needs to be with people because otherwise he will just die alone and it'll be fine for him. And um, because what has happened in Casey Affleck's life is so incredibly tragic and he blames entirely blames himself. He it's it's broken this man. Um, and I don't really want to say it because I know a lot of people haven't seen Manchester I think it's actually worth not revealing that well, one. And and the and the reason that because when you find out why he's blaming himself and what he did in his oh, past, it's 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 wow. heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's sad. I mean, I didn't really like break down and cry during this film. Um, I was very teared. I I was emotional for his character. Um, but I was more emotional for the situation than anything else. There's an incredible performance given by Michelle Williams in this film. Michelle Williams, I don't, I don't know if she'll get the Oscar. I, I think if I was giving the Oscar, I would give it to the mom from Moonlight over Michelle Williams. But really, it's just a two-person race. Right. It, it really is. Yeah. And nobody else on that list matters. She... <sighs> God, Michelle Williams, there is a scene where they they are standing together near the end of the film. And this scene, this is why people that don't think That was my favorite scene in the movie. This is that's the climax. Yeah, that's the climax. The, people don't get it. They don't understand that this is the climax of the film. This is the big part. Yeah. And it all it is is a conversation that they're having. And then And it, she she actually she emotes She's come to terms with things. She's she's he, she's even almost moving on, but she she needs to say these things to Casey Affleck, who does not want to hear any of these things. The word like the thing, and I don't. We're gonna spoil this. We're not gonna spoil what he did, but we're gonna spoil this. She forgives him. She has forgiven him, and he is angry at her. He doesn't want to be forgiven because that's how much he blames himself. Yeah. Um, but the way the film gets to this moment is played in a series of back and forth in time. And there's no indication, which I respected. I really liked it. I really really liked that. There's not even like, even like, you know, some places they don't say that it's back in time, but then it's a different like filter almost, or like it looks different. There's nothing. This is, it all looks the same. It reminded me of American history. Yeah. If you're, except that they they do black and white, they do black and white flashbacks, but it's like, it's one of those things where the fact that you, if you're not paying attention to this film, you won't even understand that it's flashback. Right. And then you won't even understand what the film is about, like how right. the film really plays out. 
So uh, one of the things I really liked about the film was the relationship between Casey Affleck and this boy that he's going to be taking care of, who's about 16 years old. I think he's 17, no? Could be 17 Something. years old. He is old enough to be having sex. And I, I, I kept laughing at how absurd it was that this new guardian was so like, whatever. Go and like... Well, yeah, because it's like this young guy who's not a parent and he remembers having sex at that age. Yep. So he's not about to stop it because he's not the parent. Exactly. Or, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't. I like that. The the, That's what I mean. Like, it was so blase. It was so like, yeah, okay. Well, what else are you going to do? Like, well, a parent might be a little. Yeah, but he's not a parent. But he's not a parent, right? Like, if you suddenly had to take care of a 17 year old. I might. Would you tell him not to have sex? I probably have some rules that go into the house and all that. But he doesn't want any of the responsibility. He doesn't want to be a parent. He doesn't want. But who are you? You were doing it at that age. Why wouldn't you let the kid do it at that age? You're not the parent. Because I wasn't doing it in our house. I wasn't doing it with my parents sleeping over or any of that stuff. It's better than running around and doing it in unsafe places. Is it? It is. Is it? It is. I don't think so. Go in a car, do what we had to do and scrounge for the places to The kid doesn't have a car. I don't think that there, I would, I was like, that was a part of film I didn't even blink at because I was like, didn't seem novel to me. Oh, it felt like such a strange. Really? It, it felt strange to me and I loved how strange it felt. And that was probably another part that elevated the story for me. It felt so not strange to me. I, you're just a weirdo. I think that's it. Maybe that's what it is. You're just a weirdo. (laughs) Like, if you had to look after a 16-year-old girl or boy, whatever, you'd just be like, whatever. If you want to fool around tonight, fool around tonight at at home. And, you know, like, there's a moment where the boy says to the grown-up, if I'm too loud, let me know. I'm like, what? Well, I would have rules about that. Disrespectful bastard. What? What's disrespect? That is literally the epitome of respectful. He's saying, if I'm too loud, I'll stop. It's it's weird. It might not be what society tells us to do, but if kids are having sex at that age, kids are having sex at that age. I would rather just inform the child of, you know, things like what are the risks involved? And the kid at that age can make a decision on weighing the risks. And they decide themselves. And yes, I would actually expect, I don't want to hear a peep about it. I would say like, if I hear anything, that's not cool in this house. But no, I'm not going to stop you. And who am I? I'm not old enough to be like a uptight parent. I remember what it's like. But there was, I mean, there's also scenes where like the next morning she's at the table and she's being disrespectful, like, or I don't know if she's being disrespectful, but she's trying to watch, um, She's trying to watch the boy's feelings while he's on the phone with the funeral. Do you have to do that right here? And it's like, but then later on you hear him like, oh, which one's that again? Yeah, I don't like her. She's not coming over. I was like, yes, that's amazing. But I think that's fair. Like if you then are like, he just I don't doesn't like, this like person. her. Yeah, he doesn't and like her. That's it. That's the, those are the rules. Sorry. And he walks away. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I found like. His his rough exterior played very well, obviously, to what happened to him, but it, it works so well between their dynamic. And that, I think, kept me going with the story, kept me really interested. Um, and I, I really was blown away by the simple ending that came full circle back to another fishing trip. Mm-hmm. I thought that was beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I, it was a good place to end it, given like where... Given the, where everything was going to yeah. be, but... You also understand now he's 
going to be there. He's going to be in the life. He's not he's not going to leave this kid alone forever. He's he was gonna, always in the kid's life and he's always going to still be in the kid's life. He's just not going to be the guardian. Of course. He's not going to be the guardian, which but I which I learned his lesson. He learned his lesson. But he needs to be there. He he needs to be around people is what he learned. It's, I did like that scene too. It was, was like, a good oh, scene. Oh god, I Anyway, so that's why my number two. So, All right, tell me why. Tell me why your number one is your number one. Well, I wait, know what wait, it wait. is. I, before we move on, I just want to say I wouldn't change anything about this film. It's perfectly crafted. That's yep. why it's so high, but not in my top ten. But for everything that you thought was novel, I was like, yeah, and yeah, and that's how it would play out. Like, like in my head, once I knew what the deal was, nothing about this seemed all that remarkable. And I guess it's because the relationship between the kid and him, I'm like, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and. And I look at it and I look at the film and I think about it and I think, you know, there's nothing I could change. It's perfect. For what it is, it is perfectly executed. Yep. But I didn't feel anything novel. But you'd still consider it a best picture film. Oh, totally. Okay. Totally. Um, all right. I, I, go ahead. Guess. Lion. Yes! Yep. Lion. I knew it. I because I, I expected to see it come up on this list, and we talked about it today, and <laughs> it's the only spot left. So it's Lion. I watched Lion two days ago. I watched it this morning. I loved the ending. Did not love anything that really came before it. So that's why it is not on my list. It may be number twenty on my list of the year. It is my number one of the year. It was the best film I have seen this year. I I can't over like it was so beautiful. It was so unexpected. Everything about it I thought was just stunning. The cinematography, all of the technical aspects of the film, spot on. I wouldn't change a thing. It was beautiful. It was cool. I love that it played it spent a long, a significant amount of time. Like there's a reason why Dev Patel is up for supporting actor and not lead actor. Yep. And it's because he's just not in the film that much. I've realized they really connect with me on this very personal level where someone comes from one culture and then moves to a different culture. It was the same with Brooklyn uh, last year. In oh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. That was my number three of last year. Yeah, that was in my top so that, that, three. That resonated with me. Maybe they have to be white. Maybe it comes back to my racism. I don't think you're not racist. <laughs> <laughs> you just had a different experience and you don't. And, and so I think that that's a part of it. If it wasn't a real story, I would have been like, are you kidding me? Right. But it, it is it's a, a real, real story. story. Though, yeah. He um, is very poor, very, very poor. His mother is illiterate. They live in India in a small town where he climbs on freight trains and picks up coal from the top of them to sell at the market to feed his family and helps his mom pick up rocks and move them in this quarry. And she's illiterate and it's just the three, you know, the three of them, him, his brother's sister and his mom, four of them. And, um, and he convinces his brother to take him on uh, a mission, his older brother, where he's going to be making money, doing some labor. And, He finds himself getting onto this train, but it's a decommissioned passenger freight train. And he's now, he gets stuck in it. He gets locked in this train. And in two days, he's stuck on this train and he can't get out. He's locked. 
there's even a moment where they pull up to like an area where people are and he's screaming out for help and everybody doesn't care. Nobody cares. Because Well, at that point, it I think they're speaking Bengali and he's speaking Hindi and they don't understand him. Maybe, but it doesn't really matter because if you have a child screaming and reaching out to you through bars, of course, your face, if you were in, you know, in a Western culture area. Oh, you would be, there would be phone calls. There would be all kinds right, of things. But this is a different place, different place, with different, different time. culture, different yep. rules, different time. And everyone just, they literally, they make eye contact with him and have an unfeeling face. Yeah, they just let him go. Yeah. They're like, what's a stupid kid? Whatever. Yep. He's going to die. Like it, I felt like I was so upset at that moment. Um, and then he ends up in. We actually did talk Calcutta, about Calcutta, yeah. I think, or some somewhere where people generally speak Bengali more. Yeah. And it's a city center, and he almost gets uh like sold into like slavery. Slavery, yeah. Human trafficking, and uh, but luckily he's smart and he runs away, and then he lives on the street for a while, and eventually he gets taken to an orphanage. And at the orphanage, he is uh, adopted by an Australian couple. And he then grows up the rest of his life in Australia. And we meet him again as, as a young adult. He's going to a uh, university for a hotel management program where he meets the love of his life and also s- learns enough, because it's 2006 at this point, that he can embark on a search with the technology of that day which is Google Earth, yep. um, and he might actually be able to figure out where he came from because he was always saying this town, um, but nobody ever knew what town he was talking about because he was always saying it wrong. Yeah, and uh, and and that's what the film is about. And I just loved every minute of it. I cried like four times at different moments and they weren't always sad crying there was a lot of happy crying at the end i was like the end bawling. is incredibly emotional ending when he when he finally finds his way home yeah um you know this is a this is a story that i first learned about from google there was a google youtube video um where they were promoting google maps Go- and yeah. google earth and they showed the story and i was like that is amazing like i think i cried during that story oh those google ads kill me every (laughs) time and when they've when i found out that lion was coming out i was like oh yeah it's that story that i saw that one time and then we watched it and i just you know i I, we couldn't stop talking about how adorable that child is oh my gosh and such a good actor such good keep an eye on him he's the next like well that i don't think he can get into the country there's something going on that he can't, that little boy can't come to the Oscars for some reason because, because, of uh, because of the travel ban, I think. They've lifted it though. Oh, fantastic. Maybe we'll see him tonight. We'll find out. I don't know. Um, He's so adorable yeah, so, and keep an eye on him because he, his yeah. career as an actor I, I thought he was, happening. I did think he was better than Dev Patel. Dev Patel was, is always wonderful to watch. And I've just, I just feel like in this film, there was something. I think they showed. I don't know. There was something missing from him like that. I think for you, it was that they showed only the search, really. They didn't show enough of the other stuff around. Well, him. it just it took over his life. And I, I, and I don't know. You couldn't identify with I that. I couldn't identify with it because it seemed like so out of nowhere. It was like, what the shit? Is, what? What is happening? All of a sudden, it's like, this is the most important thing in your life, which it should be. But what the hell is happening to everything else in your life? Um, they didn't show really the rest of his life. It kept going. I- and we've talked about this. Uh, you know, like my mom 
my mom uh, couldn't have kids, so I was adopted. And so, so adoption stories, I'm usually very, very like emotional about, especially when it comes to the parents and the relationship with the child. But, um, and Nicole Kimmon was amazing. Amazing. Um, and, and so was the father. It was actually a really interesting dynamic between what was happening. I thought it was going to go in another direction when the brother came in and had like mental issues. I yes. thought it was going to go totally different. In a direction and be like, oh, oh my God, like this is interesting. Like I need to see what happens now. Um, but Deb Patel just seemed to flounder all of a sudden mm-hmm. and he got lost in his search and nothing else mattered. And I was, I, I don't know, that kind of pulled me out of the film. But then when he's walking back home and he meets the man who, you know, they stayed, they stayed the whole time. Like that was beautiful. Yeah. And that was like, wow, this is really tear jerky. And oh, my God, like all those things. And we find out that his brother died actually that night. Yeah. So at sad. At the very end. So sad. So sad. Um, but yeah, it, uh, there, was, there was too much against it for me. Right. In my viewing. I also th- you also got to remember, whenever you watch a movie, it's all about where you are at that moment and, and, and yeah. that time. How you're and how feeling you're, in that moment. Exactly. Yeah. So in that moment, it wasn't for me. My number one. What is my number one? You know it. What is my number one? I, I got a little preview on yeah, you your did. list. So you know it. Yes, I do. But I, I feel like I want you to say it. No, just say it. No, I want you to say it. You don't know it. My number one movie is going to make you writhe and spit in my face and all the things. Uh, because my number one movie is Walt Disney's The Jungle Book. <laughs> so the jungle book is my number one um the same jungle book of, is your number one movie same sort of thing happened last year star wars the force awakens wasn't the best movie of the year but it was the one i enjoyed the most of last year okay so um, this that's how this one yeah so the jungle book for me is the movie i enjoyed the most it's the movie i've seen the most this year it's the movie i've enjoyed the most with my fiance um and i i i just I can't get over the visual effects in this film. I can't get over the kid in this film being so like entertaining. Um, and I think it really, really helps that I hate the original Jungle Book. You hate there, it? I said it. I said it. Don't like it. There's, uh, there's reused animation. Nothing's really happening. In this one, we get, you know, the elephants were an army in the first one. Like, the elephants on patrol. In this one, they are the majestic keepers of the jungle. They built what is there. They are revered. And, you know, you, you get that storyline where Mowgli, with his unique talents, can actually save an elephant. Like, it's, it's a movie that has made me cry so much. Again, we're talking adoption again. There's a scene with the mother wolf who says, you will always be my son. I tear up every time I've watched that movie at that scene. Uh, even though, yeah, you're going back to man, you're going back to where you are. That to me was like the definitive adoption scene this year. Um, Idris Elba as Shere Khan. What the shit? Yeah, he was good. So scary. Like this is a movie that if I had a six-year-old, I'd go, well, not yet. Oh, are you kidding? It's so six-year-old no, appropriate. It's not even it's funny. It's so creepy. That that tiger. I had nightmares about that tiger. Okay, fine. But kids can handle that. They're strong. Like, I don't understand why we have this propensity to, like, 
shield our children. This is a totally child appropriate movie. No, it is not all bubblegums and lollipops. It's definitely not. But who says the kids can't handle something like The Jungle Book? Well, maybe they can. Maybe my mind will change and I'll be like, yeah, of course. This I is have a time. feeling it's going to be like, you're going to have kids and we're going to have like, you know, like debates, you know, like you'll be like, how can you show this to your kid? And I'll be like, how can you not show it to your kid? <laughs> it's interesting because my aunt and I had that fight when I was like 18 and she was showing her elementary school kids true blood. And I was like, what? Why would you do that? But why would? But why? For what? And she'd be like, like with the nudity. Oh yeah, she hmm. just like let them watch it. I mean, I would show. I would be cool with my children watching that, but I don't know that I would show it as a teacher in the school. Yeah, it was like sort of like a teacher in the school kind of scenario. Yeah, like that. That I can understand because there's people out there who have different values, and that's perfectly fine. And you I always thought it was a little that. strange. Um. But now her her elder, her youngest is now going to film school and like he obviously took a lot of what he saw and now he wants to make his own stories, which is nice. Anyway, The Jungle Book. Come on. Edward Burr. Uh, I just thought from beginning to end it was it was a fun adventure. Fun? Um, it was so much fun. Fun? I, I had a blast watching Mowgli run through treetops trying to keep up with the cubs. Then we got Bogira. We had Bill Murray as Baloo, who who added a lot of comedy to it. Um, you know, even Some. King Louie at the end, who was terrifying. Uh, you know, I just I just loved everything about this film. And I loved most that he didn't go back to the man village at the end. I like that he killed Shere Khan in the end. I like that there's a standoff. He has the full support of the jungle, even though he just literally destroyed the jungle. You know, the idea of this fire being so symbolic. Like, there was there was just a lot of different things in the film that really brought Mowgli to life as a coming-of-age kind of character. I don't, and I, don't, I loved it. I, I loved don't see it. him as coming-of-age in this movie. Uh, well, he's learning how to use his natural abilities instead of, and being who he is. Now that I, I saw, and I liked that thematically in the movie overall. And the movie is beautiful. I don't think that gorgeous. anybody can dispute that. Um, but I had no fun watching it whatsoever at any moment. What? I, yeah. Like, I, I didn't think it was a fun movie. I felt really down. It brought me down. It made me feel really sad. And and I and and when the movie ended, I felt sad. And you felt sad. He was in the he was in there with all of his friends. No, he stayed it's, in the it's, jungle. It's not that. It's it's not the staying in the jungle or not in the jungle or any of that. It's just. And I liked that they accepted him. He's a, you know, he's a different type of jungle animal is what they realized. And they, you have to let him be his own animal. He can't be a wolf. He can't be a whatever. And he was the only one who could be defeat Shere Khan because of it. Exactly. But that doesn't like, I had zero enjoyment while watching this movie at any moment. Like I didn't enjoy any of it. I don't get it. It made Why? me so sad. Everything like why did it make you so sad? And lion like is this uplifting tale? I yeah I know <laughs> lion. No sense. I I maybe as you said it's the moment that I watched it, but 
I think it's partly the way that it looks. It's uh, deep, like it has lots of layers and it has a lot of contrast and it's visually stunning, but in a way that like I respect, but don't like. Okay. Like I, I like, I'm, okay. that's a lie. I like how the film looks. Right. But there's the colors in the film tell me that I should be down. The, the, the way everything looks tells me that I should be weary. The story itself is not very uplifting. It's very sad. It talks, you know, it alludes a lot to the fact that we as humans have ruined this earth. And of course, yeah, there's, there's so many layers in this film. There are so many layers. All of them are serious. They're all work. They're all like it's the, and I guess also I liked the original, the original film um, is uplifting and funny. And yeah, it was racist and it was all these things that's really bad, but like it, it was also filmed at a time where that was the reality. And um, so I think even for that time, it wasn't trying to be racist. It wasn't being hateful. It was being very. Oh yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not worried about the racism in the film. I just feel like it's a series of the film itself is a series of vignettes and songs. Uh, the sixties film, whereas this is a more cohesive story adventure. Yes, this is a more cohesive story adventure. It is beautiful. It is serious. It is all these things, but it's not the original. It's different. And maybe because it shares the same name and has the same characters and is very much marketed as the reboot. I was like, wow, you took all the fun and happiness from that first movie and threw it out the door. And this is what we're left with. No, oh, I totally disagree. But, uh, but that's what this is all about. So, um, so, so this is one of the only John Favreau movies you did not resonate with then. Mm-hmm. I, uh, cause just, you love John Favreau. I you do. love chef. You love Iron Man. You love, well, maybe not. Iron I've Man actually too, not. But... I haven't seen chef. Oh, I thought you, haven't we, what? I haven't seen chef. Put it on the list. I will put it on the list. For God's sakes. Becky has seen it like three times. That's way more than you have. Wow. And she's not a movie person. (laughs) All right. So I think we've got some work to do here. Okay. Let's let's do this list. All right. So let's count this down. Number 10, Hell or High Water. Number nine, Kubo and the Two Strings. Number eight, Deadpool. Number seven, Hacksaw Ridge. Number six, Moonlight. Number five, Fundamentals of Caring. Number four, Hunt for the Wilder People. Number three, Manchester by the Sea. Number two, The Jungle Book. And the number one best film of 2016, Lion. We got a lot of good ones on that list. There's a couple ones that you may not agree with, I may not agree with, but it's still a really good looking list. And if you're looking for something to watch, that's a place to start. The re-re-re-re-list. Welcome to the relist. This is a brand new segment, and we have created it especially for the Oscars, but we'll continue to use it in other things. So I think it's time that we explain the rules of this little game we've created. So basically, we've taken all of the nominees, or as many categories of the Oscars as we can. Remember, we haven't seen the results of the Oscars yet. And we're going to kind of remove somebody that we don't think needs to be there and place another nominee that deservedly deserves to 
get that spot. Okay, I think I'm going to help here. Help. For each Oscars category, we went through. And if one of us had something that we would change about who's nominated, they went into our list. And then we both went through those items, those categories. We chose something to remove from the Oscar nominations and instead replace it with something that we think deserved it more. Yeah, that's basically it. That's the game. Yeah, that's the game. So I'll kick us off. So let's start with a smaller category. I'm going to go original score. Okay. Moonlight had a lot of quiet moments, and I don't really remember a hell of a lot about what the music is. Now, that was completely the opposite case for me with Moana. Moana has an incredible score. It's got incredible music throughout, and at the most difficult places in the film, it really lifts the story out of the trenches and like gut punches you when it needs to. So I would remove the Moonlight score and replace it with Moana. So I've decided to stay with the Oscar nominations, not for, honestly, not for a very good reason. I didn't particularly remember any of these scores and I also didn't really find that 2016 was a year where I was like that movie has a score that I think is brilliant so I just kind of left it that's fair that's fair and remember when we haven't seen a movie we're we can't touch it yeah we cannot remove something we didn't see so passengers on that list I actually hadn't seen I've seen passengers uh second one is costume design La La Land is a very contemporary film. There are a lot of colors, yes, but it's contemporary dress. So I'm going to remove La La Land and put in the gritty World War II Hacksaw Ridge with all of the soldier outfits. Uh, and then, you know, the lead up, there's a lot of civvies and things like that. And I think that would have been a hard one to recreate. I am actually staying. Because, oh, you're staying again. But this one is because... Out of all of these movies, I've only seen La La Land. Fair enough. So you can't really like mess around. Right. And and not only that, I actually liked the costume design of La La Land. I do think that it deserves to be there. Um, Adapted screenplay. I'm going to remove hidden figures because one, yeah, it's an adapted screenplay. But if you read a little more about hidden figures, you will find there was... Not as much racism at NASA as the film depicts. The three white main characters, they're fictional characters. So they kind of took these three incredibly, incredibly established women uh, and built like just a story around their life, not something that was really all that real. So actually, so I'm replacing it with Deadpool. Cool. I like that. So I, I removed the same movie for the same reasons. Okay. What'd you replace it with? But I replaced it with Hunt for the Wilder People. Ooh, that's a good one. And because that was my number two of the year, I really loved it. It, it is an adaptation, so it just felt like it should be there. Totally makes sense to me. Uh, next up is Original Screenplay. Full disclosure, I did not love The Lobster. I fell asleep watching it, tried again, made it to the end, and I was like, come on. What are you trying to say, you crazy, crazy, crazy script? I would remove The Lobster and replace it with Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, it's not adapted from anything? I checked, and it doesn't look like it's adapted. Wow. Oh, 
That kind Does of, that change what you're thinking? It might. Like, I I was going to put in Sing Street by John Carney. Also for The Lobster. I did watch The Lobster. Like, it riveted me. I was watching it while I was falling asleep. And I think I started the movie at, like, 1.30 a.m. And I was awake all the way into the end. But I didn't like it. And I didn't think <laughs> that the screenplay was that fantastic. It was clever and interesting. But I wasn't sure what it was trying to say about society, and I I didn't and like what, that. And what it might have been saying might have been wrong. Yeah, like I don't know <laughs> that I agreed with what I thought it was saying. Anyway, um, so but I think I'm switching. If Kubo is an original story, yeah, that deserves to be there. Okay, uh, cinematography, big one. You and I both did not like the cinematography of Moonlight. Hated it. Yeah. I'm replacing it with the bunker thriller 10 Cloverfield Lane. Ooh. And the reason I am is because close quarter filming is hard to light. It's hard to shoot. And I love the look of 10 Cloverfield Lane. You know, when it's dark and things are getting dim, it, when they're up, up top uh, in that tunnel, that tower tunnel, holy crap, is that well lit. So yeah, that's it- what I'm going with. It is a very well-lit film. I, however, am going with Jungle Book. See, I, here's my problem with this. You're right. The little boy is very well-lit. But I have problems when you're, almost your entire film is CG and you give a lighting award to a, a computer-generated scenery. Like when Avatar won, I wanted to kill it. Okay, here's my reasoning for, Go for it, it. Is that... One, yes, there is an aspect of the film, which is CG, but that cinematography in some ways is, to me anyway, two things, camera shots and everything to do with the camera, how it's moving, what it's looking at, what the framing is, that anything to do with what the camera sees through the lens. Then on the other end, it's also the lighting, the lighting design that supports the camera and how those two things interplay together. So I thought... The movement of the camera, the shots that are being set up, everything that's created in that CG, that's very much, I think, deserving of that award. And also the way that they let Mowgli, for sure, he often, it's almost like there's a spotlight on him, and I really love that about the film. And I thought that also then the coloring and everything like that, and I know there is post-processing coloring, and obviously a lot of this is CG, And maybe I'm just assuming, but I would have my DP there with me as I was creating the world because he, as the person who lit it, has the visuals for how it should, like he knows in his head how it should look. And so I assume he's there in that editing room with the CG being like, no, no, more light, more contrast, darken it up. And it was a very interesting looking film, something that doesn't normally look that way when it's CG. So I got to give it to them. And I can't fault you for taking my favorite movie of the year and putting it in this, uh, this category. Exactly. So. Um, now we're in the big ones. We skipped animated feature altogether because we don't think there's anything that should change. No. And on not only that, I don't think that I've seen enough other animated movies that I have any opinion. I have. And I think uh, it can stay the same way. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So supporting actress, you know, I felt like Octavia Spencer in hidden figures was fine. Yeah, but, she, it's not like she gives a bad performance. But I think there's other performances this year we could find. And one of them for me was Kira Sedgwick in The Edge of Seventeen. She plays the mother in the film who's trying to deal with the fact that her that her husband has died. She's dating again. 
She's trying to keep control over her rowdy teenagers. And she is way more interesting a character than Octavia Spencer in Hidden Figures. Yeah, she did a really good job in that film. Totally. I think partly because I didn't end up really loving that film. I don't remember 100% her performance. Okay. Uh, so for me, I actually gave it to Catherine Hahn from Captain Fantastic. Oh, I haven't seen this film. And you haven't seen it. She does an amazing performance. She's always cast, you know, as the friend in every movie. And she always does a really good job. But in this movie, she is, you know, same sized role. I'm not going to lie to you. It's definitely supporting. But uh, she, it's a whole different type of role. Okay. I got to check this movie out. Um, all right. Moving up, we got supporting actor. I have two that I change in this uh, in this Ooh, one. Okay. I know. Um, let's start with Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water. I would flip this to Ben Foster in Hell or High Water. I feel like we've seen Jeff Bridges do this cowboy thingy a couple of times. And I'd like to see Ben Foster get the recognition. Uh, yes. Yes. Just count me in. I'm yes. the same. I agree. <laughs> that is it mine. That's yours? Well, it wasn't, but it is now. Oh, it is yours now. Okay. <laughs> um, and then my second one is, as much as I love Manchester by the Sea, I don't think Lucas Hedges does the greatest performance of his career. I think we're going to see great things from him later on. Uh, he certainly shows charisma. But I... I love John Goodman in 10 Cloverfield Lane. I think he he gets lost in that role. I mean, he's such an excellent actor, but when he really gets into a character, you find yourself terrified or along for the ride. And I was absolutely terrified by him in 10 Cloverfield I Lane. I couldn't tell. The whole movie, I wasn't sure if he was the good guy. Or the bad guy. Or the bad guy. I know. And I also couldn't tell what he would do next. And you always like in every scene and, and the way they shot him, like clenching his fists or he just he was amazing and terrifying. And I I just would like to see him get it, some recognition as well. So I'm also going to do the same thing. I agree with everything that you said. I'm doing this a little bit by the seat of my pants. I switched who I would have put in for Hell or High Rodder to Ben Foster because you're right. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And uh, I'm also going to jump on your bandwagon. I'm going to say Lucas Hedges, he's great. He's going to do great things in the future. He, he doesn't is. need this one. Nope. Uh, he doesn't need to be like nominated right now. Instead, though, instead of John Goodman, although great choice because he did amazing, I, I can't ignore the performance from Sam Neill in Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's so, he's that commergeny kind of guy. And also, he gives an understated and also like tucked in performance similar to Casey Affleck. And Very similar. And so if if he's going to be there, I think Sam Neill needs to be here too. I like that. I like that a lot. Next up is our lead actress. Full disclosure, haven't seen Jackie loving L. Me neither. But I have seen Meryl Streep in Florence Foster Jenkins. She's Meryl Streep. I'm taking her out and I'm putting Sally Field in for a little indie film called Hello, My Name is Doris. Oh, my God. Hello, my name. Sally Field in Hello, My Name is Doris. Wow. How is she not nominated? I don't know. So, unfortunately, I cannot participate because the only movie of this list that I've seen is La La Land. And I actually I do think that Emma Stone deserved the. I hope she gets the Oscar. 
And I think she deserves this Oscar. So you're not going to touch it. I'm not touching. Like she, there's no way I'm taking her off this list. Right. Next up is lead actor. And I'm only touching one on the lead actor. I want to take Ryan Gosling out for La La Land, but I want to keep him in and and nominate him for the nice guys. Are you serious? I'm serious. Because that's exactly what I did. Of course. <laughs> uh, Ryan Gosling in the nice guys is one of the most hilarious off the walls character I've ever seen him play. And he disappears in the role. He totally disappears in the role. Whereas La La Land, I'm watching Ryan Gosling try to dance. I've seen Ryan Gosling is a fantastic actor. And I think that he's really good in La La Land. But because Ryan Gosling is such a fantastic actor, I've seen him do better acting. And that's kind of my thinking on that one. Totally. Next one. One more before the big one. So best director. I am going to. So I've seen all of the films. We have Denise Villeneuve for Arrival, Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge, Damien Chazelle for La La Land, Kenneth uh, Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea, and Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. I've seen all the films. Um, I really want Damien Chazelle in this category. Like, I think he's an incredible young talent. I want him to stay. Whereas Moonlight, I didn't, I didn't really see, like, an incredible director here. I feel like Barry Jenkins um, has, has more in him another year. And I'm going to take him out and I'm actually going to put John Favreau in for the Jungle Book. And the reason I'm doing that is he was working with one actor while the camera was rolling. And, and, he, and he was Baloo while the camera was, was ro- rolling. Yeah, and like, he really got into it. He had the vision. He made that happen. Um, on the flip side. You know, he went behind the scenes voice coaching everybody, too. So he kind of had to be a dual director on this to bring this crazy visual thing to life. And I, I, you know, he signed on to do The Lion King and I, I just can't wait to see it. I, I actually think that nobody else could do The Lion King. I don't other think than anybody him. else could do it. This man is such an interesting director and I just can't wait uh, to see what he brings next. And I think. He should be recognized for that work. Would would you pick? You know what? I respect that. I didn't go that way. Uh, I think for obvious reasons. Okay. Um. So I removed Denise Villeneuve from Arrival. Okay. I thought it was a very good movie. I didn't. I, I guess I just didn't see what everyone else seems to have seen in it, and that extends. To all aspects. To all aspects. Directing, everything. Well, I mean, I guess if I don't really get it from everything and, you know, you have performers that didn't necessarily need him to coach them to the brink of anything. Of course. And and not with their roles in this. And all the roles that he's coaching are, you know, a lot of people said amazing things about Amy Adams in that film, but I felt like she was lifeless. Interesting. I thought she was good. I liked her performance in um, Nocturnal Animals more, though. I haven't seen that one. That's on my list of have to see. It's like a really cool movie. It's really interesting. I highly recommend if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's worth the experience. You might not love it. Like, it's not a movie that a lot of people, I think, love. But she's really good in it. And so it's hard because they came out the same year to to sit there and see Arrival versus Nocturnal Animals where I feel like, wow, what she did was cool. Amazing. Um, But so I'm removing Arrival because I just 
it didn't jump to me in any way. And I'm putting in Taika Waititi. I think that's how you say it. Uh, the director for Hunt to the Wilder People. He cool. also, I think, wrote the adaptation. Um, and, and he was great. And plus, I think any time a director works with a younger kid and is able to coach them through the farce that was Hunt for the Wilder People. Yep. I think that takes a lot of work. I and also visually, I love the movie. I will not fault you there at all. Uh, Just you know, like I can't with with you too. Like John Favre, especially with his work in Jungle Book, it may not be my favorite film. I was saddened by it, but yeah. uh, it's beautiful and well directed. Yep, definitely. Um, and then our big one. So best picture. What do we got? We got Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion. Manchester by the Sea and Moonlight. I am removing Hidden Figures. It is a a fine movie. It's a popcorn snack in good time. There is fluff to be had here. And yes, there are women, you know, there are black women telling a story about strong, independent people. I understand the importance of that in today's day and age. You, and you know what? It's nice that a, mo a fluff movie about that was made because sometimes when you're talking about things that are very politically charged yep. in the current atmosphere, then those movies become heavy and people don't want to watch it. So it's great that they made this fluffy movie, but that makes it a fluffy movie, which doesn't make it an Oscar movie. It, that's what I think too. So I'm removing Hidden Figures and I'm going to replace it with Moana. Which I, I think wow. deserves more credit than it gets. Um, Wait a minute. You're, but you're not replacing it with Jungle Book? I'm not going to replace it with The Jungle Book. I don't think The Jungle Book is a best picture worthy film. But Moana is. But I believe Moana is. I think there's so much to unpack from that film. And it's so important to today that it is a best picture worthy film. I would like to see animation movies get their due when they are amazing and incredible again and put them in with the best pictures when we can. We only have nine here. We could just throw it in anyways, even if you want to keep it in figures. Um, so I, I think Moana deserves it. And I, I gotta, I gotta say like, I think it's my favorite Disney movie since Tangled. Hmm. I think I might agree with that. You I wouldn't. What Big else? Hero Six. Oh, Big Hero. Oh, yeah. That was Disney? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Big Hero 6. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay, so I am also removing Hidden Figures for the same reasons that we discussed. Instead, though, I am putting in Hunt for the Hunt Wilder. Hunt for the Wilder people. Yeah, like, of course. It's not a surprise at this point. A lot of my nominations came from that movie. I, th I think in all aspects that makes something an Oscar movie, that movie has it in spades. I think maybe the reason why I didn't get in is the climax because it became farcical, but I don't think there's anything wrong with a bit of comedy in our best pictures. I agree. You know, we have uh, some comedy in La La Land and we have a little bit of that's about it. Although oh, Hidden Figures has some comedy. I But Hidden Figures isn't a comedy. No. Um, You know, it's funny. I have heard Manchester by the Sea be described I guess not as a comedy, but as witty, like with comedic, like there's thing. comedic timing. Yeah. But it's not a funny film. No, you're not sitting there laughing. <laughs> that would be sad and depressing. <laughs> if you were, you're not a person I want to know. <laughs>
So that's our game. So our question to you, our friends out there, is would you do the same replacements as us? Do you think that the Oscars have chosen well? Let us know. Reach out. And that's our show. It was a long one, but we hope after the Oscars, you really enjoyed it. You got into it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in again next week when we go back to just a regular episode. We really want to hear from you. Did you like this special episode and would you want to see us do more like this? You can reach out to us on our website, morethanmovies.net. On Facebook at More Than Movies Podcast. Email us, hello, at morethanmovies.net. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It Savannah. And if you'd like to help us support the show, we'd appreciate it. All you have to do is hop on iTunes or any podcast service you use. Give us a quick rating and review. This helps us grow the show. Until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. Watch more.